0: This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Mercado and Manning podcast. It's Media Week's semi-regular chat where we talk about television. My guest, as always, Andrew Mercado, Media Week contributor, TV historian. Welcome back. Thank you, James. This is our first one-on-one this year. We had a a podcast with Eric Thompson, didn't we, a couple of weeks ago for his new series, Aftertaste. Um, have you finished it yet?
1: No, I've watched the first four episodes and then I'm re-watching it as it goes to air now. But, yeah, I, I can't wait. Episode four is an absolute cracker. I saw somebody else do a review the other day. I think it was Carl Quinn in The Age and he went episode four and I was like, hey, it's just not just me. It really is uh, the best episode today.
0: Yeah, I would say uh, it's a good series. I think it's just six episodes, isn't there? I think, I
1: think it's so, a, yeah. It's a pretty, I, assume, I assume there's only six.
0: Yeah, it's a pretty short season. Um, I think possibly taking its place is Fisk in March, the Kitty Flanagan. Ah, yes, yeah,
1: makes sense.
0: Her comedy series with um her and Marty Sheargold, who plays a suburban okay. lawyer. So oh, I'm looking right. forward to that. But we'll uh, we'll talk about that a little bit closer to it's um it's coming on air. Now you wanted to mention um we're recording this on a Tuesday morning. You wanted to mention the episode of the project which went out on the Monday night.
1: Yeah, they did a special episode last night from 7 o'clock. Lisa Wilkinson was speaking to Brittany Higgins, uh, the woman who is alleging rape in... uh Parliament House. It was an extraordinary half hour of TV. Um, uh, I think they had pretty good ratings for it. They got a bit of a spike in ratings, but this isn't about the ratings. This was just about an important conversation that needed to be had. And if people didn't see that episode of the project, watch it back on 10 Play. It was uh, a great piece of interviewing from Lisa Wilkinson, I thought.
0: Yeah, it was an amazing bit of TV, wasn't it? I think it went for the whole half hour. The, um, the interview, and yeah. uh, it was quite startling when Lisa said to it towards the end. She said, "Look, if you're to be believed, the safest place for somebody to commit rape in Australia would be in Parliament House, Canberra."
1: Yeah, that was one hell of a closing comment, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, very frightening. But um, and just documenting how long it. They had to battle to get the um, security camera footage yeah. from from the people who look after that inside Parliament House. I mean, that's almost a criminal act in itself if they've been withholding it, isn't it? I mean and,
1: and you know it it also I think is uh, shows that that four corners episode last year that talked about uh, the a toxic culture inside Parliament House. And we know that uh, a lot of people were critical of the ABC and said, oh this is them, point scoring, and that should never have gone to air. In fact, the government tried to stop that going to air. Well, I think that that Four Corners episode has been shown to be absolutely
0: true again. Yeah, correct. And just mentioning too, the 7.30 last night also referenced the interview on the project. They showed a little extract of it. Yes, and, they did. And that, that was good. Um, and I want to segue from that into the work Sarah Ferguson's doing out of Washington she had that wonderful episode of uh, Four Corners. Yeah, I think probably three weeks ago now, but she was also on Seven Thirty last night reporting on the acquittal of um, Donald Trump. Yeah, and I, I'm just really enjoying the report she's sending back from her uh, stay there.
1: Yeah, 100. percent
0: Yeah. Now, before we get into some of the dramas we're going to be recommending and reviewing, um, there's a couple of other. We should talk about some of the big shows that are starting off the ratings season this year. The the two big ones facing off at the moment while the, the delayed tennis is still screening on nine, Holy Moly is sort of up against The Amazing Race and got of coming in ranking third in that time, so well, fourth for the nights that um, it gets beaten by 7.30, not performing that well.
1: No, very interesting. Holy moly started so strongly and was winning the time slot. And as the weeks have gone on, very interesting to watching the amazing race come from coming last amongst the three commercial networks to now winning. Uh, Well, certainly winning that time slot, winning the reality battle. Yes, Channel 9's... uh, yeah, uh, winning the time slot now with the tennis but you know some nights if the players aren't quite up there the the numbers for the Australian Open aren't too flash at the moment so look a big shout out to the Amazing Race Australia I've watched bits and pieces of it I think it's really well made I am not a fan of holy moly for obvious reasons I don't like sport um, I particularly don't like golf I think that golf with schoolboy humour and putt-putt is just (laughs) ridiculous. I mean, I think it's great if families want to watch it, but seriously, what were they doing putting that on three nights a week for 90 minutes a night? It is too much. That was lit, and I think Seven have already announced that next year it will return as a a once-a-week show, which is what it should be. Talk about Overkill and to think that they're going to follow it up with Ultimate Tag, uh, wow, that's really
0: concerning. Yeah, I think Ultimate Tag looks very risky proposition at the moment, knowing what we do about holy moly. But yeah. I, mean, I say it's it should be only once a week with the benefit of hindsight. I, I never really would have realised that, I guess, beforehand. I thought, well, it sounded like a pretty good bet. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting format. I think I really like Matt Shervington. I think he's doing good work on the show. The American guy, no, I just don't find him that funny, you know. Is it Rob Riddle? Rob Riggle. Yeah. And I, um,
1: and I don't know. He he apparently, talk. if you watch sports, you know who Rob Riddle, if that's his <laughs> name, is. Because someone said to me, I said, does he do other sports comedy? And they said, yes. So that's why I don't know who he is, because I've got zero knowledge about sport.
0: Yeah, I think Sonia Kruger does a good job of hosting. Um, The guys from Eureka, Chris and Paul, did a great job developing this format. But, you know, now we sort of realise that, look, once a week as a special event screening, the Sunday episode does a lot better than the subsequent episodes each week, which gives you an indication of uh, the audience's appetite for it. And the audience appetite, Andrew, will they return again to Married at First Sight this year?
1: Well, yeah, look, it's hard to say, but I assume they're going to. You know, the fact that the figures have been, you know, so low for Holy Moly and and the amazing race... The figures are low i think the audience is out there waiting for married at first sight i can only assume i'm not watching the tennis so i'm not being assailed by the promos for married at first sight but if they're good promos and they're promising more of the same i i assume the audience is going to return in huge numbers and certainly um the tabloid press are hanging out <laughs> with something new to write about right
0: yeah, it'd be brave to go out in a limb and say the show's going to flop, but yeah. I, I think it will do very well. And I, you can't judge it on the audience watching those specials, not that they were bad, no. but it was very different product to what you get to see when you go through the marriages and those people finding out their faults um, and also the few things they might have in common. So I, I would expect that to do well. Something else that's new, Hamish, um, not Hamish, Blake, uh, his partner Andy Lee. Um, um, moving across to 10, where I'll be working on um, The Cube.
1: Yes, yeah, so lots of promos I'm seeing for this on 10. I will, of course, check it out. Um, I like Andy. It'll be interesting to see him working on his own now that Hamish has been doing Lego Masters. Uh, it. it I'm, I'm not too sure about the format. I'm assuming it's going to be good. It, it, it does seem to... I do get the feeling that TV is kind of going to these really simple formats now with putt-putt, golf and tiggy and throwing balls into holes and, you know, I swear to God we're going to have a yo-yo show soon. It's only a matter of time. Um, but, yeah, let's hope uh, it'll be good to see a new primetime quiz show that was a fresh format work on TV and uh, Ten wouldn't say no to that.
0: Yeah, look, I hope The Cube does well. I like the promos. They sort of get you a little bit interested. But, you know, would I watch a lot of it? I'm not sure. I mean, I'm, I always put it up against. I mean, I love my drama and, you know, that's where a lot of the audience is going now, isn't it, to to dramas, to, on you know, on the um, SVOD services, uh, on the BVOD services. Yeah. and And for things, you know, that you catch-up things you've missed and because you don't have to be there now when they want you to watch. You can create your own TV schedule. So that's, that's the hard thing, I guess.
1: And are people going to watch The Cube, a new quiz format, um, when at 8 o'clock hard quiz starts on the ABC? And we know that that is a massive rating hit? So we do have uh, the same genre competing against itself there.
0: Yeah, look, it's gonna be hard to get people who watch the hard who watch hard quiz to break their uh viewing habits. Yeah. Uh, speaking on quiz shows Mark Fennell coming to um Mastermind, isn't it? He's um yeah. taking, taking
1: over his over host from uh Jennifer Byrne. I think he was a celebrity there for a minute in the celebrity mastermind edition, and now he's hosting the show. Busy boy.
0: And he's one of the busiest blokes in media. He's uh, I think he's a regular on a couple of podcasts Um, or one of those is actually a radio show which also becomes a podcast and um, does a lot of work for SBS. So good luck to him with that. Let's talk about some of our dramas. Um, You've had a little look at Lupin.
1: Yeah. What's that about? Wow. So apparently there's a series of books uh, in French literature about a gentleman burglar And so this uh, TV series is not telling that story. It's telling the story of a man who is inspired by those books and living in uh, Paris today and uh, being a gentleman burglar himself. And the first episode is just amazing. I'll write about it in Media Week this week. But my big tip is when you start watching the show, you go, well, what's happening to their lips? And you realise that it's dubbed, so go into your Netflix controls, put those English subtitles on and listen to it with the original French dialogue. Why would you not want to listen to sexy thieves speaking in French? Uh, You know, look at it the way it was made in French with English subtitles and Lupin is sensational.
0: Look, I'll ask a question why you might not want to listen to it in its original language. People have told me it's visually very beautiful. True. But it looks fantastic. Yeah. And having to read the subtitles takes you a little bit away from that, which yeah. was always one of my arguments. I didn't mind movies too much that were dubbed because I just like, you know, getting right into the visuals. So there, there is that to weigh up, I think, when it comes to maybe a series like Lupin.
1: I literally can't watch a show like that that's dubbed because if the lip <laughs> aren't moving in time with the word, no. it is annoying me throughout the entire show. I just can't do it. So um, some people can. And, yes, some people tell me that they get a headache, What you know, having to concentrate on something that's quite dense and read the subtitles as well. And particularly, you know, I was trying to make someone watch this Spanish uh, mini-series the other day and, you know, they speak so quickly and you're reading these subtitles trying <laughs> to keep up, you can barely see anything that's going on. But, yeah, I'm a stickler for original
0: dialogue. Okay. I mean, I know a few people who actually put the subtitles on their English language dramas because yeah. they don't want to miss. You know, it's just hard to get the dialogue on some of these shows and, and I recently lashed out on my first ever soundbar recently to try and overcome that problem, which in you know, sort of half-corrected it. But well, it can soundbar- be annoying, can't it?
1: The soundbar will make things worse because the (laughs) soundbar brings you more bass and more music and more of the surround sound effects and the dialogue keeps getting lost in all of that. So, yeah, I know people that watch everything with the subtitles as well for that very reason.
0: Yeah, so Lupin is definitely on my watch list but I just haven't got around to it. There just seems so much on at the moment to try and keep up with, you know. Yeah. Um, now, another one I was interested in, and I guess it's a little bit lighter, fare than Lupin, is Firefly Lane yes. from Netflix.
1: Now, a few people are talking about this. They're watching it. I haven't watched it yet. It uh, looks a bit rom com for me. Catherine Heigl. I do know that there's Australian actors in it, though. Okay. Ben Olsen's in it. Uh, Josh Lawson's uh, brother. Josh okay. Lawson's film has just opened here in Australia and is in the top five movies at the box office. Great to see. But, you know, Ben uh, Lawson uh, still over in Hollywood. Ben Lawson, of course, would be known to uh, fans of Neighbours. That's where he was sort of had a very long-running role. So, yes, Firefly Lane. It's there for me to look at one day. <laughs> <raining>. <laughs> On
0: a very wet day, okay. Anything else, yeah. All right. Um, now you've mentioned some I haven't heard about this before. Why are you like this?
1: This is a new Australian sitcom. It's it's a weird sort of uh, programming thing from ABC, although maybe they're trying to give it a bit more exposure. It starts on the ABC uh, Tuesday at eight forty-five p.m. and then it appears to be repeated after Taste on Wednesday night as part of that uh, comedy lineup that they have. I've watched the first episode and, whoa, James, it's really in your face. This is 20-somethings. Uh, Think Seinfeld characters, very unlikable people, you know. And the first episode seems to me to be a real send-up of political correctness. So you've basically got these, you know, yeah, 20-something people in the workplace pulling out every bit of political correctness they can, uh, to, you know, make their life more, ma- make themselves the centre of attention or, you know, throw shade at a workmate. You know, it's, it's really, really in your face. And I think some uh, older viewers are kind of going to go, what the hell is going on here? But, I, you know, it's a comedy. So um, stick with it. You know, I, it, it could go to some very interesting places based on that first episode.
0: A quick look at the cast list—they seem to be relative newcomers.
1: Yeah, they seem to be. Uh, one of the girls in there is known to me uh, from neighbours. Um, but yeah, the the others are uh, seem to be fresh talent. And you see some actors, older actors, you'll recognise in some of the uh, supporting roles.
0: Okay. Now, I think Susie Yusuf has got a part in this too. Yes, yeah, she is there. Doing some good work on the project as well. I think she's on Sunday nights on the project. Uh, bench but yeah she's keeping busy now something else you mentioned i had a quick look at this from hbo max coming to foxtel soon the lady and the dale
1: yeah, so this is going to be my next binge to watch. Uh, it's a. Uh, I was just reading about it because it's screening in America on HBO Max, and it's the story of a woman in the auto industry who developed a more fuel-efficient car, and that's the the story. As they researched it, but as they started researching it, they found out that this was actually a transgender. Person, so there's much more to the story that we originally knew about. So uh, I was looking on Foxtel today, and I noticed it's there. Like sometimes you go to that homepage of Foxtel to see what's there on their new additions. It's like, wow, that there's that season. I know it's starting on Showcase soon, but it's actually all there to watch now if you want to. So you know, there's often some good stuff there.
0: Yeah. Okay. And um, It's a Sin, it's something else on my, high on my list, but I just haven't started it yet. Yeah, so
1: It's a Sin uh, has been on stand for a few weeks now. Uh, A lot of uh, my friends are obviously watching it um, and talking about it. I have read that it's Channel 4's most successful streamed drama ever. It has broken records there. And, you know, I've had some... uh, older gay men say to me, I can't watch a show about gay men in London getting AIDS. I've lived through that and I just can't go through it again. But, you know, I don't think the show is made for uh traumatised gay men. I think it's made for younger people to say, you know, we all lead a pretty uh, good life now but back in the 80s you did not want to be gay when this disease was around and uh, Russell T Davies, of course, who uh, rebooted Doctor Who and who wrote the original Queerest Folk uh, way back then, he's at the top of his game uh, yet again and uh, It's a Sin now on Stan. Really recommend it. And I'll talk about this in Media Week as uh, we get closer to Mardi Gras.
0: Yeah. Okay. Something I've been watching, and I'm I'm nearly all the way through it, is uh, Devils. Oh, yeah. Sort of a finance uh, drama made by Sky Italia yep um screening here on Foxtel hasn't goes out in the UK this week interestingly because it's quite rare we get a series that that far in advance of the, um, the UK but it's, uh, Patrick Dempsey is in the lead role playing a sort of a, a rather nasty international banker. Uh, don't recognise a lot of the other cast. I think they're sort of a, Italian uh, Italian actors. But um, it's, it's worth watching, but it's, it's quite an intricate drama. It's one of those dramas, you can follow it in general terms, but you can also follow them, um, the minute details, and I definitely got lost in the minute details. There's so many twists and turns, but you can follow on the good guy versus bad guy level. But if you really want to watch it, you've really got to pay some attention to all the detail of what every character's doing, so the financial traction, um, transactions, and what they relate to. But it's um, it's, it's a bit of fun, and it's um, it's it's well worth watching. it so.
1: You love your business shows, James. <laughs> you have on Stan, and you're watching Devils. You're going to have to also check out, which is on my list, Industry. Yes. Which is on Foxtel, which is the HBO drama. I've watched. Five minutes of the first episode and then someone came around and I've never gotten back to it. But it's about a group of young people uh, being hired to work on a stock market trading floor. And I know that it's got some quite remarkable nudity and sex scenes as they move through it. So, yeah, another one to add to your list. Industry on Foxtel.
0: Okay. Now, you wrote about this a couple of weeks ago for us and it was – Probably still running, isn't it? The end on um, Foxtel. Yeah. One of yes. the one of the few Australian dramas they've commissioned in the last twelve months.
1: True. Well, the end is playing out week by week uh, on Showcase, but it's also all there to watch on Foxtel. So I binged the whole thing. It's ten episodes. Uh, not six, not eight, ten episodes for the end. Look, I thought it was really great. I thought they took a really difficult subject, euthanasia, and I thought they had some really interesting things to say about it and the the, the characters so interesting and the cast like you know apart from the fact that you've got dame harriet walker and francis o'connor heading the cast but you know it's set in a retirement village at the gold coast (laughs) so as you go through you just see everybody there robin nevin john waters noni hazelhurst robert colby diana mclean tony barry you know, Hazel Phillips, you know, every great Australian actor is sort of uh, ap- appearing in the background of this show. So the end from Foxtel, uh, I really, really rate
0: it. Yeah, I've started that, but, again, I've been a bit lax and I really need to uh, to power through it. Um, something I've been enjoying also on Foxtel is um, it's a BBC One divorce drama is the genre, but it's called *Us*. And there's a few shows around called *Us*, but this one's got Tom Hollander and uh, Saskia Reeves yeah. as a divorcing couple. So she's told they're just a, a married couple living in suburban. I think they're in London, and she says, "Look, I'm I'm out. I've I've had enough. It's the end of the road." But he'd organise a trip around Europe for them. You know, he made all the bookings, picked the hotels, booked the museums, one of those real sort of regimented tours. You know, we've got to be here at this time, bloody blah. Anyway, he convinces her to go on this trip before she leaves him. And so they head off to Paris as their first stop. Then they get to Amsterdam in the second episode and so on. But it's really good and it's really a lot of fun. So
1: it's a com- Would you say it's a comedy?
0: Yeah.
1: More yeah. comedy than drama
0: yeah um okay. a bit of both e- equal amounts I guess yeah. Yeah. so
1: BBC first on Fox BBC
0: News? first yep okay. on, on Fox Tell. All right yeah yep and it's good it's good viewing. It's a bit like um, it's one of those shows the added bonuses because we can't go anywhere. You're reminded of all these great mm-hmm. great places okay. in Europe. It's very well shot. They, they stay have. in some wonderful old hotels and they're cheaper hotels It's not flash stuff, so it's, it's budget. they travel by train. Yeah, Um, yeah, it's a a lot of fun. It's it's, uh, well worth a look. Cool. Um, Harrow, something you've also written about for us, season three is back. I think they're about two episodes in as we record this.
1: Yep. Someone told me there was a character in episode two which I haven't watched. I've only seen the first episode, and the surname was Macardo. So <laughs> I'm going to have to go back and do that. The only other uh, character I know that had the surname Macardo was in Wentworth, Tina Macardo, one of the lesbians involved with Frankie Doyle, and she was a nasty piece of work too. That <laughs> so yeah, I better uh, not say that uh, I'm related to anybody else on TV.
0: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm enjoying Harrow. I've always quite liked it. Um, it's I, The plot line in season two, I thought, got a little bit repetitive. It was just, you know, why are they trying to chase um, Dr. Harrow? Yeah. Um, you know, he's he's on and off again with his daughter who sort of will talk to him one week, won't talk to him to another week. But it's... It's a bit looks fresher in um, season three. I'm enjoying that. There's a bit of a split up again with the daughter early on, um, but I, I quite like it. I really like uh, Darren Gilshenan. Is it Gil yes. Gilshenanen? Da- Darren
1: Gilshenanen. Yeah, like I think that's how you pronounce his name. Yeah, but he's
0: yeah. he's great as um yeah. Doctor Fairley in this. He's um he's a lot of fun. Alan Newton's good as um as uh, Doctor Harrow's daughter. And i um, quite Jolene Anderson's good too, as the um, fellow sort of um, what do they do there? Pathologist. <laughs> huh? pathologist. Yeah. yeah, pathologist. Yeah, yeah, sort of police pathology.
1: Um, good story about Jolene Anderson, I think, in TV Week about how she filmed Harrow having just given birth to the baby and okay. how her mother came with her to said and they'd have the baby. And then, as soon as she finished the scene, quick quick feeding and all of that, but they kind of, you know, worked it so that she could still be with the baby. I thought that was really great. And we mustn't talk about Harrow and not mention Damien Garvey because he's also so great as the Queensland Opera. Oh, yes, opera of course. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's
0: wonderful. Yeah. People might fondly remember him from, um, what the lawyer's drama? Um, Rake. Rake, Rake. Yeah. Yes. yes. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Very good in that, very good in this. A bit bit of a straighter role in this, but he has a bit of fun as well. Um, something I just started last night is the new season of Staged. Oh
1: yes, um, already? Two. Yeah,
0: already. Yeah, yeah. Wow. They've, they've dropped all the um, episodes, ah. so they're all up on iView. They're right. pretty quick watches. Um, I think they only go for about fifteen, maybe twenty minutes. So it's yep. David Tennant and Michael Sheen.
1: Yes. Um,
0: It's sort of they're calling it a lockdown sitcom, if you like. There is a bit of a big twist in the first episode of the second season, which sort of um, is pretty interesting.
1: Nice. Okay. Good to know.
0: And the there's That's a whole, the second season is packed with special guests too. Right. Just really big names coming into it. So um Sir Michael Palin is in the first episode. I won't give you too many spoilers, but um, he's not that complimentary about his his fellow <laughs> actors, his character. And it's quite funny because right, it's um it's good. So yeah, they're, all episodes are up there ready to stream. Now you um what's happening with RuPaul's drag race? Because they're about to film a Australia-New Zealand season in New Zealand. Is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um look, they're airing two versions concurrently at the moment on Stan. I don't understand how this has happened. So you've got the latest. Uh, series of the original RuPaul's Drag Race and then they've got the second series of RuPaul's Drag Race UK which is made in conjunction with the BBC and it's like one drops on a Friday and one drops on the Saturday and I tell you by Sunday I can't (laughs) figure out which drag queen goes where it's really confusing and you know up up until this stage those shows were always programmed in a way that you would have a, a series of drag race and then you'd have a all stars afterwards, and you you just had one a week. I'm telling you, you only need one hour of that format a week. It's becoming a little bit confusing watching the two of them together.
0: I love the Ki- Kiwi media is having some great fun with puns in their headlines about the show. Kiwi queens to compete in RuPaul's <laughs> Drag Race, yeah. and what about this one? There's a new Quarren queen in town.
1: <laughs> Yeah, look, I can't wait. I can't wait to see, obviously I can't wait to see some Australian and New Zealand talent uh, finally uh, being given a chance to strut their stuff. It's going to be amazing.
0: How many drag races are there around the world?
1: Well, there's Holland, there's Canada, there's Thailand. And, look, it, the show always works best when RuPaul and Michelle Visage travel and stay a part of it. I mean, they tried to do this version in uh, Canada with uh, not using RuPaul and Michelle Visage and, you know, I didn't finish watching it, you know, and unless you've got those, you know, those key people there, you then supplement it with local celebrities to be the judges, but you've got to have Ru and uh, Michelle Visage, I reckon, to make
0: that show work. So has he been in all the others so far? Pretty much
1: so far. Have been in I, Holland? Is he in
0: Holland? Uh,
1: well, yeah, I don't think in Holland. I don't think in Thailand. And now I'm saying Holland, I'm questioning whether or not it is Holland. I have watched part of the Thai version, which is pretty funny. Obviously, it's uh, you need subtitles to watch that. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you know, I just think if you're going to do all of them around the world, uh, you, you know, they, they're just going to have to travel around the world to keep it going.
0: Yeah. There's um, one coming in Spain.
1: That sounds a
0: right. Spanish version. There's been one in Chile. Oh. I think called the um, the Switch Drag Race. It's actually been around for quite a while.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. RuPaul taking over the world.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, anything else you've been watching? Um. Uh- but I haven't got to. I can tell you something I'm looking forward to, a show called The Serpent with uh, Jenna Coleman. Do you know much about this?
1: Well, I don't. I've never heard of the show. Of course I know who Jenna Coleman yeah, well, is. Yeah,
0: yeah, but it's the yeah. Charles Sobhraj story.
1: Oh, yes, yes. yes they right.
0: filmed it partly in Thailand. Right. Just gone out in the UK. Yes. I know someone has seen it. It's apparently it's just brilliant. Wow. I cannot wait. I've seen some of the stills. She was on the cover of the current issue of Radio Time, just looking sensational. It's just going to be brilliant because you'd remember back in the day, maybe you're old enough to remember Charles Sobhraj, and he was quite a notorious, I do know, what would you call him? Was he a murderer with the... Um <laughs> well, i got yeah. He, he was sort of oh, almost a cult leader, was he? Um,
1: yeah, he, he. But my understanding is that there's a there's a touch of the Charles Manson to him. He yeah, sort of brainwashed yeah. women to do terrible things. That's what I remember as a, a child about what yeah. sort of a monster he was. Yeah,
0: fr- French thief, fraudster, and serial killer. Yeah, did his best work or his worst work in um in Asia, I think. Yeah. You might remember there was a book that um, Richard Neville and his partner Julie Clark wrote.
1: Okay, yeah.
0: A, quite a while ago. It was published way back in 79. Yep. Which is um, well, amazingly 42 years ago now. Um, but then they've just republished that last December when they knew the, the series was coming out. Of course, Richard Neville no longer with us. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so look out for that one. It's it's Netflix outside of the UK, yeah. but the Netflix site says not available in Australia yet, but no other details of where, when it might be coming.
1: If you ask me what I'm hanging out for, I'm hanging out for Gogglebox, which is finally back on Foxtel this week and then it hits uh, 10 Thursday night, 8.30pm and its regular time slot. I'm just wondering what that's going to mean for the fortunes of Q&A, which has moved to Thursday nights. Um, ratings have been disastrous in the new time slot, to say the least, and now up against Gogglebox. And next week you'll have Married at First Sight running four nights a week, Monday to Thursday, uh, actually admitting that, you know, Thursday is the night of the week to watch TV, so yeah.
0: Yeah, I've got to think, I don't think Thursday's the right night for Q&A. Uh, I know the ABC struggled for quite a while. That's yeah. not a real estate show, which was pretty light viewing, but it did okay numbers for them on, yeah. on Thursdays, and I think it filled that slot for the last couple of years. But it's a, it's a night of the week where people are prepping, and it sounds stupid to say you can't have serious TV on a, yeah. on a night of the week where people want to be more relaxed, but the figures would indicate they would much prefer that sort of stuff on a Monday, maybe a Tuesday it's it's okay.
1: like that the, there's not the gravitas to thursday night you know there was something about the fact that q and a followed media watching QA, q and a you know it, it you know you went with the flow you if you were into serious tv it sat well there and i get it it's a great show and the abc are trying to use it to anchor a new night of programming for them but i agree with you i don't think thursday is the right night yeah i think maybe tuesday might be an interesting one they want it to be at 8 30 rather than 9 30 you know i'm Pretty sure the ABC said the audience was telling them that sometimes it gets a bit late at night. You know, sometimes it was finishing at quarter to 11 at night. Oh. And I get that. Sometimes I've been on the knot at the end of it too. But, you know, I missed that Monday night where you just sat down in front of the ABC and knew from 7.30 Australian story you were off and running, you know. And, by yeah. the way, can I just say how bloody fantastic is Backroads Now, it's there on a Thursday night at 8 o'clock and I watched that episode last week where, you know, Heather Hewitt went to Kyogle and honestly, the whole 30 minutes, it was just so beautiful and feel good. You know, I was really, you know, feeling quite happy and then Q&A said, here we are, we're going to talk about the coronavirus vaccine and I was like, oh, "Oh, no.
0: You know, it was a great story in that, the way the locals have started the, the local paper in Cuyahoga. Oh, and um, Just wonderful stuff. Yeah. A Q&A 8.30 Tuesday could work. I mean, makes sense after foreign correspondent. Correct, correct. But that could keep that same audience. One yeah. thing I wanted to talk to you about before we be wrap this week, and we're strangely on time for once, for uh, was you've been going on a little bit about free-to-air TV They're sort of not on the case. They're, you know, uh, they should, they're perhaps losing audience because of some of the programs they're putting to air and some of the sort of dramas and programs they're commissioning. Yeah. Is that a fair summary of your? Yeah, it is. It's, you know, I just don't know how
1: you can take a couple of months off for summer when we've got so many other options now and it just feels to me now that the whole let's start our ratings in February is antiquated, that if free TV wants to survive, it's going to have to stop playing silly games like ratings and non-ratings, period, because Netflix isn't playing those games. Netflix dropped Bridgerton on Christmas day when everybody else was asleep at the wheel and Bridgerton's now their most downloaded series of all times. What does that tell you? How much longer can free to wear TV just can sit, uh, can keep sitting back, letting their audience drift away. And I know they're trying to claw them back with free catch up services, but let's face it. They're pretty late to the game. Yes. Uh, seven plus and nine now and 10 play are recording audience uh, growths as they should. But, you know, they, they put it off till the last minute. Uh, They didn't want to play that game. They wanted people to watch free to wear TV and the audience to me, I just, I just, sometimes I'm just so depressed on a Monday morning when I get that issue of TV week, like an old school, person that I am and get my Nico pen out and go, let's go through this TV guide and circle what I want to watch. And i tell you what, there's not a lot I'm circling, all those digital channels, all those free-to-air channels, it's just like there's nothing to watch.
0: Yeah, sort of, um, I'm certainly partly in agreement with you. The, some of the, I guess you could say some of those dramas, we don't know exactly the numbers they do. I mean, you hear something like Bump, which was a great series, and it—and I think it surprised Dan with how many people actually loved that show and downloaded it. And I, it was a great watch. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, but you just don't know if it's really doing fr- the numbers free to wear need to sell to advertisers. Again, with Bridgerton, would Bridgerton get those sort of numbers on, on Channel 9 or 7 at like 9 o'clock at night?
1: Well, Downton Abbey did. Let's look back to Downton Abbey. Did yes,
0: yeah.
1: work. Now, I mean, that's it's a you know, that's a really expensive, dripping British miniseries. But yeah, when you get drama right. It can work for you and even stuffy British period drama. Remember how The Seven had that great advertising campaign when Downton Abbey started where they had like AFL footballers and young people who had been shown the first episode and they were there going, oh, I was watching the first episode. Oh, they were dragging a dead body. I'm in, I'm in. I mean, that was a really innovative marketing campaign they used to make that show work and then it worked for them. So it can be done.
0: Something that's um, not helping free to air TV, of course, is just the deluge of movies that Netflix is now releasing. Yeah, it's just some incredible stuff. We talked about uh, the Chicago Seven late yeah. last year. How much we enjoyed that, and it's been nominated for a swag of Golden Globes. Um, I think it will be nominated in the Oscars too, presumably.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've,
0: I've watched The Dig recently. I really enjoyed that. Yeah That was uh, good There's a few um, pieces of a woman In uh, January on Netflix Gee whiz, I loved that And um, something I'm looking forward to News of the World It's the Tom Hanks movie You know Yeah. Yeah They've just really invested heavily in cinema As well as TV series
1: They have invested heavily and then you've also got this unfortunate situation now where a whole bunch of movies are being sold to other streaming services like Apple TV and Amazon Prime because US cinemas still aren't open. And this terrible situation that cinemas are about to be in here in Australia. I mean, it's so great. We've got, what is it? four Australian films in the top five at the moment, but there's no competition from overseas. And the cupboard is just there's, there's there's a schedule of just nothing coming down the pipeline. If I still had a cinema, I would be, you know, really, really nervous about what to do there. But um, yeah, all, a lot of those films are now being sold to the streaming services, which just makes the whole situation even more diabolical for free to air TV and independent cinemas.
0: Where do you stand on Bridgerton? I know it came out a little bit late, missed our end of year podcast yeah. in 2020. Not everybody loves it. Some of the people who really admire traditional British drama, they just, it's almost too slick for them. Do
1: you- Yeah. Yeah. And the purists also have a problem with the colourblind casting in this show. You know, they've taken a... I'm uh, not sure if it's that, is
0: it? It's my well, problem,
1: I think yeah. look, some people have said to me that they just thought it was ridiculous that, you know, black people were accepted in high society when history tells us okay. they, yeah. they weren't and yeah. that that's a, a stumbling block for them to watch it, you know, but... You know, they, the, the makers of the show say that, you know, Queen Anne, there was a suggestion that she could have had some African blood in her, so things could have been like this. Um, look, I actually thought that it made the show more interesting, um, and, and I think we're seeing this a lot now with uh, drama series. We see Ryan Murphy do it all the time, where he's just going in and doing historical pieces and changing the hell, changing a lot of things in them to diversify the cast in the show and it's uh, it's the, the new way of doing things. And some a lot of people are watching that. Some people are saying, hey, this is not what I was expecting to see. But, you know, a lot of people are going, I don't have a problem, I love the show.
0: Yeah, I'm in that latter category. I think I, I do like it. Um, our household is divided, yep. so I can't, I have to watch it by myself Um <laughs> So that limits my my uh, windows to view it, but yeah, no, I do quite enjoy it. Gee, they dropped some money on it, though, didn't it? It looks visually so lovely.
1: Oh, I think I just read one article behind the scenes of Bridgerton about the thousands and thousands of dresses, the period costumes they made, and during it, you know. Um, someone said was it that or was it something else I was watching because of coronavirus they're having a problem getting pins out of China to to do the hems and how you know trying it was but yeah I mean the the money was you could see the money on the screen in every scene location wise and costume wise.
0: Sure sure all right Andrew McCarter. look we might leave it there for um this sort of first one-on-one podcast back in 2021. Um, so my viewing list is I've got to get into Lupin. Yep. I've got to get into The End and tidy up some other things. I I have done fantastically well catching up on Vikings, and, but I'll talk about that in a separate podcast because oh. I realised I was nearly 25 episodes behind. I was shocked and I thought there's no way I'm going to catch up before it ends on SBS, but, hey, I've managed to do it.
1: Wow. In closing, I will say there's a fantastic documentary series on SBS Viceland about the greatest cult movies of all time. Um, And the panel is like uh, Joe Dante, John Waters, uh, Ileana Douglas and, yep, I mean, I, you know most of the films, but I've actually learned a few things about some of those films I do, haven't heard in the past. So it screens, I think, on a Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday night on Viceland, but it's there on SBS On Demand.
0: I know. Look, there's some great stuff on Viceland and there's little things I see and then I lose them and I've got to go back. And yeah. I just I find the discovery on SBS On Demand a little tricky when you search for stuff. It's, it's a little bit fiddly, but there's, it's worth investigating because there's a lot of good stuff.
1: I'm also dipping my toe into Shortland Street, which is now on Iceland because they're kind of screening it day and date. Uh, Peter Ford, I I ask him questions about it. They've got some outrageous storylines. like (laughs) The old woman who's like the Dory Evans of the piece is now... A lesbian and she went off on holiday and one of the characters said, Is she back from Muffville
0: yet? <laughs>
1: you kind of go, Does this come out to air at 7 p.m. in New Zealand? Wow. Then the other day this kid vomited in the reception area and the nurse watching said, Oh, fudge. was like, wow, okay, it's kind of racy.
0: I'm in. That sounds good. It sounds good. But yeah, that was that five nights a week, is it?
1: Five nights a week. It's on Viceland at 5.40 p.m. So it's a good time, actually, because if I'm watching 10 news at 5, I'm bored at 5.40 when they go to sports. So it's a good option to switch over.
0: Flick over. All right. Well done. Okay, so welcome back for this year. Don't forget you can read Andrew every Friday in the Media Week Morning Report. Subscribe at mediaweek.com.au. Thanks, Andrew.
1: Thanks, James.